I'm Amanda Whitworth, and these are the stories we wish to tell. Sam grew up in a small conservative town east of the Cascade Mountains, about two hours outside of Seattle, Washington. She grew up surrounded by the elements of this amazing natural beauty that is the Pacific Northwest. On the outside, Sam seemed like a well-adjusted, happy, and loved kid. She was dynamic and creative with an artistic eye that would later become something that was part of her gift. Like most children, Sam lived inside of her imagination. The inner world of Sam told a very different story. Sam remembers feeling ugly and invisible from a very early age. She knew she was different by the disapproving stares and the whispers from other kids and adults around her. I have hated my body since I was six years old, um, and that is not an understatement. I remember being dropped off at the city pool when I was six in a really cute little two-piece swimsuit that was brand new that my mom had bought me. And um, I remember getting dropped off at the pool with my sister, and um, I jumped in the pool and I was playing, and I overheard an adult woman tell another adult woman that I can't believe her mother let her leave the house in that. And I remember feeling so much shame about what I looked like at just six years old. Um, and my my dear family told me that um, it was just my genes and that I was only, I, you know, I was big boned and that, you know, it's, they explained it out in ways that were not any fault of my own, um, but they never, you know, would lift me up and tell me I was beautiful. It was, well, you're just big boned or it's just genetics, you know, you can't help it. Um, so I thought from the time I was about six years old that, you know, God hated me and made me fat on purpose for some reason. I remember being really young and because my family was fairly religious um, that I would go to bed at night and pray to God to make me skinny overnight. And I mean, I wasn't fat by any means. I was not a fat child. I was maybe a little heavier than most, but because I grew up in a small town, I um, was, and I was predispositioned to be a little heavy or chunky. Um, I was pretty much tortured for my weight my whole entire youth. Now, if you were once a kid, which I'm going to throw it out there and make the assumption that you were, you probably have firsthand knowledge that kids can just be plain unfiltered and mean. I mean, the stories I could share from my own youth could paint a very similar picture. There is very little mercy given if you are born outside of the socially constructed norms that are placed on all of us from a very early age. So basically, different equals bad. And since most of us are just looking for some way to fit in and belong, and honestly, very few of us at that age actually have the fortitude to pave our own path, if the world is telling us we are different, we are going to figure out exactly what we need to do to belong. Growing up in a small town, overweight felt overwhelming because and uncontrollable. There was nothing I could do to change people's perspective about me because I was pre predisposition to have a heavier body weight. Um, I was tortured for my weight um, through school. I uh, remember so many times in classes that, you know, especially PE, PE was literal hell for me. Um, the activities 
didn't make it easier. We were all expected to keep up at the same pace. And I was, you know, I remember mostly like a story where I just wanted to climb the rope, the, the crazy 20 foot tall rope that they had in the gym and the entire class is gathered around you you to watch you climb, try and climb this rope. And I remember, um, I couldn't even climb an inch and everyone in class was standing around me laughing, you know, I couldn't keep up running. I remember there was a really particularly awful activity where you had to, um, run with the class in a line and the back, the person from the back was expected to run to the front and then keep pace. And then it was like a caterpillar kind of activity. Um, and I could never catch up to the front because I couldn't run fast enough. And I would be laughed at and told that if I just didn't eat donuts, that I'd be able to keep up with everybody. And because of society, I was expected to be small. And so I started hating myself. I, I remember crying myself to sleep at night. I remember praying that God would make me skinny and not understanding why he would make me fat. Now, Sam doesn't remember being given a whole lot of healthy tools. She remembers watching her mom on her own roller coaster ride that was weight loss. And for most, if not all children, this is how we learn. We watch our parents or the adults in our lives and we establish our own patterns from what we see. It has been said that by the time we are the age 14, our beliefs have been subconsciously imprinted on us through things like our parents and peers and society and media. And just to be clear, this isn't about blaming our parents, because honestly, the same thing happened to them that happened to their parents and so forth and so forth. But the great thing is, if we learn something in our youth, like I am not lovable or worthy if I am not within a certain size, with the right tools and commitment, it can be unlearned over time. And I remember watching her, um, from the time I was really young. And then if my mom was on a diet, we were on a diet because it wouldn't be fair to her to be eating healthy if the rest of us weren't eating healthy. So I was on my first diet when I was about 10. Those kind of society pressures and mindsets are completely what built my character growing up. And so of course I had an unhealthy relationship with food um, and I would emotionally eat and I would get tortured in school and then I would come home and want to eat. Um, and I just started I started to really kind of, it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and because I wasn't being lifted up at home or with my family, um, I never, you know, I don't remember being told I was pretty or that I deserved more as a child. So it's natural that as I grew, I was looking for validation anywhere I could get it. And validation for me came from food because I was overweight and I wasn't being treated nicely by boys like I, as a typical teenage girl I just wanted to be like my friends and have a boyfriend and go you know go to prom and get asked out on dates and my friends all had boyfriends and I always wanted to be part of that world and I, I tried really hard to find that in anywhere but then if I would ever get the nerve to ask somebody out or anything I would be laughed at and publicly like humiliated so that was always defeating for me but food was always there I knew that if I ate something that made me feel better about myself that I would you know it was comforting and then but the problem with that is that the more you eat the more weight you gain and then the less happy I became with my body so um it was a 
it was a back and forth and mostly it just revolved around self-hate. I hated the way I looked, but I didn't know how to make it any better. And I, I had been dieting so long that I didn't think that that was an effective method um, because I would try for a while and it might work a little bit, but then it would just fail. So what happens then when you think the magical answer, the fix to all of your problems, the light switch you have to be able to turn on in order to be happy, to be loved, to be fulfilled, just isn't working? What happens when the very thing you think you need to belong feels so unattainable? Well, you begin to look elsewhere. You continue the journey of looking out into the world for the external fix to a very internal problem. My entire youth was me trying to constantly find a way to lose weight, but man, to, but to be happy at the same time. And I didn't know how to do that. And then he showed up, my, uh, my person. He was everything that I thought I was looking for. He was somebody that wanted to pay attention to me. He was the first person to ever tell me he liked me. He was the first person to ever kiss me. I mean, not really kiss me because my first kiss was in drama class when I was a sophomore in high school. And it was a required thing to have to kiss somebody for drama. And so my first kiss was robbed from me and the boy that had to kiss me was made fun of having made fun of for having to kiss me so that was pretty awful as a first kiss (laughs) now as we get older we may look back at these memories and we might even laugh at them but it's these experiences and these moments in time that leave little marks in our heart. They leave scars. We may think that we have buried these memories deep or moved past them, but in reality, each one is like a tiny brick and we stack one upon the other until, unbeknownst to us, we have successfully built a wall around us. And it's this wall that gives us a false sense of safety. But that wall that says we are safe is really an illusion because Walls are meant to keep things out, not let them in. Deep down inside, we are still searching for that very thing that says we belong. We are looking for that thing that will come in and tell us that we are loved and we are held and we are seen. Then when when he showed up and he promised me a lot of things and I believed all those promises and I, I desperately wanted to feel validated by somebody and I wanted to be seen and he, he made me feel seen. He, you know, we lived across the state from each other and he would drive across the state every weekend to come see me or I would drive across to see him and weight didn't seem to matter. And, um, I still hated my body. I still hated everything about my body, but I was, I was, I thought I was in love. Here we are in the part of the story that we are trained from an early age to believe is our magical fix. Sam found the love. She found the love she thought she was looking for. The love that finally told her she was enough and worthy and belonged. And this was everything. He rode in on his big white horse in the form of an off-white Audi and Sam was happy in her new relational bliss the relationship she had been longing for, for her whole life. But the thing about this bliss is it's external, and when we place all of our happiness on the result of something outside of us, 
eventually it starts to dwindle and that uncomfortable feeling starts to return. That hollow feeling we have been running from starts to make its way to the surface once again. We begin to wonder if maybe there is something else. Maybe the thing we thought would fix everything isn't what we thought it was. This usually begins with a gentle whisper inside of us or some kind of restless feeling stirring deep within. However, one thing is certain. It always comes and it always leaves us wondering, is there something more? I didn't really know what I wanted. I knew I wanted to do something artistic and I knew I wanted to, um, I loved photography and I wanted to, you know, I decided I wanted to be a photographer. And so I found a school in Spokane that would, um, that had a commercial photography program and I was really excited about it. And I started that program around the same time that I got together with him. And so it was kind of always this push and pull of, of what's more important to me, this person that actually makes me feel seen and validated for the first time in my entire life or my passion. It was a creative outlet for me, but I, I didn't utilize it the way that I should have in the beginning. Um, but later I did later in my life, photography definitely saved me because I didn't know originally what I wanted to do with my life. Um, but when I went to photography school in Spokane, I had straight A's. I, had goals for my photography business. I wanted to work for Rolling Stone. I wanted to be the next Annie Leibovitz. I, um, I had big plans when I finally decided that I wanted to be a photographer. I made plans to move to California. I had gotten accepted to uh, an institute that would have opened so many doors for me. Um, but at the same time, I was in this new relationship um, and my first relationship and the relationship that I thought was everything that I was looking for. Um, and I remember the problem being that he was not interested in moving to California. And I got really, really scared that I was going to lose him. Um, and I remember um, the very, we were supposed to leave for this trip to go down to California and look at places to live. And right before we were supposed to leave on this trip, he decided to test my love for him. Um, we were joking around one night, tickling and playing and being really silly. And then all of a sudden, without warning, he shut down um, and told me that I didn't love him enough. And that if I wanted to move to California, that I would be abandoning our family and that I didn't love him enough to, to stay in Washington and that he was going to break up with me. And he stopped talking to me that night, left my apartment, left me completely shocked and stunned, not knowing what had just happened only to come back 20 minutes later, laughing and saying it was a joke the whole time. Let's just let that sink in for a moment, because I think a lot of us can relate to this. This individuality and independence is really a newer concept for women. Sure, it's been sprinkled throughout history when we've heard of one-off stories of women who chose to march to the beat of their own drum and go against everything the patriarch represented, but it wasn't normal. To want an independent life outside of a relationship and all that comes with that was risky. This idea that we can be in a partnership and still be our own person, exploring our passions, having a career, being a mom, or not being a mom, this is a newer concept. But back then, this man who loves her, who sees her and she believes is validating her and wants her to be happy, just played one of the oldest, most manipulating tricks in the book. 
And when the thing you think you want more than anything is love and this relationship, and it starts to conflict with your own personal wants and desires, things can become really confusing really fast, especially when you've never seen anything outside of this container before. So what do you do? Do you stay for this love you thought was the thing that was making you whole and complete? Or do you follow that little voice inside that says, this way? That was the day that I gave him all my power. I didn't move to California because I was worried that he would leave me. So I moved to Seattle instead and got on the wait list for a different program. And I got married and I had two babies because I thought that at 21 years old, I, I was I, I was under the impression that that's what I was supposed to do, um, was get married, have children, and be a suburban housewife. That was the ultimate goal for everyone, right? Um, except it wasn't for me. I always had this feeling in my heart that I was meant for more in the world. And so I was always a little bit heavy hearted about the idea of just being a stay at home mom. Now, I do want to say that there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be a stay at home mom. This isn't really about that. This is about a woman who didn't necessarily want that for herself. And she grew up believing that she didn't have the option of listening to her own wants and needs. And moms have literally the most hardest job in the world. So wherever you are at with it, I commend you and think you are badass. It is really important to make that clear. I was a stay-at-home mom sitting on the couch for most of the day editing family portraits from this tiny photography business I was trying to build. I spent a lot of time on the internet when I was a stay-at-home mom. And I looked was looking for a quick fix. I was looking for anything that could help me lose weight so that I could love my body a little bit more and find happiness because I thought I thought that happiness was thin and that acceptance was thin. I went to Mexico right after when my daughter was about a year old to have a lap band put into my body. I went to Mexico to have surgery in a place that I'd never been before um, because I was so desperate to lose weight and I didn't care if I lived or died at that point. And of course I didn't lose the weight. <laughs> I lost about 45 pounds, um, but I was still depressed. I was still, um, I was still postpartum and hated myself on top of now having a device in my body that was causing pain on a daily basis. After my son was born about a year, about a year and a half later, I was having a lot of problems with the lap band. I'd only lost about 45 five pounds over the course of three years. And, um, I had had a constant pain in my shoulder from having it installed in my body and I couldn't lose any weight. So I went to a surgeon to have the device removed because I was having all this pain and constant, um, problems from it. And I ended up qualifying for a gastric bypass surgery because under medical standards, I was considered a failure. So that's great to hear when you're already depressed and sad about your body that you go to the doctor's office and hear that by society standards, you're now a weight loss surgery failure after three years. Fortunately for me, it allowed me to have my revision surgery covered 100%. So I was able to have the device that the Mexican doctor put in me out and then they gave me a bypass on top of that. 
um, which is about a six hour surgery. It was something I have, I still have a lot of shame around because I feel like there's a stigma around people that have gastric bypass surgery and what they typically look like and the personalities that they are. For me, I was always embarrassed and full of shame around my surgery. And most people in my life didn't even know that I had it done until about a year ago. I lost weight. It shocked my body into losing weight because I wasn't physically able to eat food anymore um, the way that I'd always known how. So I had to completely relearn how to live and eat. um, And my relationship with food completely changed. And for the first time in my life, I was thin. I could shop at stores that fit other women my age. I could buy jeans that fit my body and I would feel good in them. And I actually, for the first time in my life, thought that my body looked really good, but I still hated it. I looked in the mirror and while my body was thin, I still saw somebody that was over 200 pounds. I still struggle with this today. Um, The body dysmorphia that my youth till now has caused me is immense. Um, And it's something that I have to work through in therapy on a weekly basis. I don't see a thin person when I look in the mirror. I see somebody that still has weight to lose. I see somebody with skin, um, excessive skin and stretch marks and parts of my body that I still hate. So here Sam is after going through this tremendous battle with her body over the course of her lifetime, really. And all she wanted was to be thin because according to her, once she was thin, she'd finally be happy. Even after doing all the things like going to Mexico and having a risky lap band surgery to later having that removed and having gastric bypass surgery and even finally losing the weight, Sam still felt unhappy. And this reminds me of this profound moment I had the other day as I was awkwardly trying to get into some kind of yoga pose in the class I was taking. I was thinking about Sam's story and this idea of change and happiness and how for a very long time, I myself thought that if I did all the things that you thought you were supposed to do, that one day the skies would part and God or whoever you believe in would float down with her shiny magical wand and sprinkle rainbow colored glitter all over my head and say, now you are fixed. Now you're whole and worthy and lovable. And this idea made me laugh because even though I've been at this whole personal development thing for a really long time, I still find myself reaching for something out there when we all know that Real happiness comes from within. And to be honest, it doesn't happen overnight. Often it comes after making some really painful and really hard decisions or finally admitting some really big and scary things to ourselves. Real growth and change happens when we find ourselves coming back and meeting the same situations or the same feelings over and over until we find ourselves standing in front of the mirror realizing that there is one common denominator. Yourself. It's when we stop running from the icky and painful feelings deep inside and we finally confront them. Real change and growth comes with an honesty and clarity and a vulnerability that isn't easy. And it's only then that we realize we have a choice. 
continue doing things the same and expecting different results or show up and choose to do things differently. Real happiness, the kind that isn't hinging on some kind of external fix, can only be met when we realize nothing out there will offer the inner peace most of us are actually looking for. That kind can only be found when we get right with our inner world. When we truly meet ourselves and ask, what do I actually want? And that sometimes comes with some risks because what if we realize the things we want, the things that will bring us true happiness, don't match our current life? And the next eight years was pretty much a blur of life gone by. I I was thin, but I hated my body. And I was thin, but I was in a psychologically abusive marriage. And so I didn't believe that I deserved better. I didn't believe that, you know, I, I resolved myself to this person that I really didn't feel that I was. I was surrounded by a lot of trauma and I lost a lot of people due to cancer. And so I was involved in a lot of grief. I feel like grief is an intense barrier to clear vision. Um, I was so surrounded by grief and sadness that I couldn't see that I deserved better. I was thin, but I wanted to die. All there was a series of events that led me to making the decision to walk away from my marriage. But when I did leave, I was truly alone in my thoughts for the first time ever. And I finally decided that I deserved better. And I deserved to try really hard to be the person that I always thought that I deserved, that I wanted to be. Um, I was trying to shield my children from grief of the loss of their family. And I realized at some point that I was a fraction of the girl that I was at 19 years old when I got together with him. Over the past couple of years, I've made good and bad decisions with the process of learning to love myself. Over the course of the next year, Sam went on a different kind of journey. Sam finally found herself in a body she had wanted her whole life. She was thin and single and ready to experience this new and exciting world she had never experienced before because she had only ever had one relationship. I, you know, had never had the crazy 20s phase. I didn't date when I was young because I didn't have the chance. I didn't have anybody that I thought wanted to pay attention to me. So now all of a sudden here I am in this thin body um, and I'm single for the first time in my life. And I started dating. I thought I mostly just out of curiosity because I'd never been with other men before. I'd only been with him. Um, So I kind of recklessly dated for a while. And I really realized very quickly that those, you know, quote unquote relationships were not about somebody seeing me. It was about sex and it was about being reckless. And while that's fun for a little bit, it gets old really, really fast. So at one point, about a year after I left my marriage, I had a very self-realization moment where I sat myself down naked in front of my mirror and I made a verbal contract that I wasn't going to date. I wasn't going to put unhealthy things into my body. I was going to start actually taking care of myself and prioritizing me over everybody else. Um, because I am a people pleaser and I'm an overgiver and I tend to let 
I tend to let everybody else's things come before mine. Um, and I always have my whole life because I was always seeking validation from somewhere. When I made this kind of verbal contract with myself, I really decided to be serious about it. And I stopped dating. I deleted all the apps that I was on. Um, I hung affirmations and pictures of myself when I was a little girl up around my mirror in my bathroom. And I get ready naked in front of that every day. Um, and I tell myself the things in my, the parts of my body that I love and that I'm grateful for, even if they're the parts that I'm not really a fan of. I, I go through a mental inventory of what I love about my body every single day. And I read the affirmations on my mirror every single day. And I really have made a conscious effort to believe that I am worthy of finding a love that's validating and that I can validate myself and I don't need that. I started to like really listen to things about positive mindset and read um, things about bettering my life and how to change the body dysmorphia that I have. And I started listening to music again and I started to be a photographer again, I had stopped for a really long time taking pictures because I got so burnt out on just doing everything that would make me money. Um, I now can take on projects that I actually want to take on versus what I think I need to. Started sharing pictures of myself and my body on the internet while some people may raise their eyebrows about that um, because you know of modesty or you know I, I get told that I'm attention seeking. It's not about attention for me. It's about proving to myself that I'm worthy of being seen and that I'm, I have a seat at the table. You know, I, I look at pictures of myself from when I was a little girl, from when I really should have learned to love myself. And, and those are the times I tend to go back to, I, I meditate and I'll, I will go back and do visualizations back to the time when I felt, you know, bullied. Um, I go back to the rope um, when I'm climbing the rope and everybody's standing around laughing at me and I change the story. I go up to myself and I hug myself and I tell her that I try, you know, you tried and good job for trying and, you know, nobody else can climb that damn rope either. <laughs> um, you, you know, you're worthy of being loved and you tried and you did your best. And so I'm not worried about a man validating me anymore. I'm not worried about somebody coming along and saving me because I can save myself. I've proven time and time again that I can save myself. And now I just want to be the best mom I can be to my children and raise them with the confidence that I wish I had as a child. You know, my kids are finally seeing a version of mom that's happy and that loves herself and that has a who has a career that she loves and loves her life and is not somebody that's sad and just trying to people please and not get in arguments um the only the only love i'm looking for anymore is the one that's true connection instead of telling myself that i'm worthy of being seen i tell myself out loud i see you you are enough you are worthy you are beautiful and i love you and for the first time ever i really mean it the weight loss story, like it kind of is more on this like journey to self-love of like, okay, yeah, so I had this surgery and that's part of it, but really like it didn't, nothing changed when I had the weight loss surgery. Um, you know, I was expecting to lose all this weight and magically be happy, but the reality behind that is that you can lose the weight, but until you do the work on yourself, 
nothing is going to change on the inside. I think that time in my life really gave me an awareness of just how profound society influences us and our bodies as women. From the time we're very young, we're shown images of women with perfect bodies and we are being made to believe that that's expected of us in in the world and in order to find the perfect partner, you have to have a perfect body. My journey um, from being a heavy child to being a heavy adult to having surgery to losing the weight and still not being happy, really you need to find validation from within. You need to love yourself no matter what your body looks like. And you won't find true happiness until you find contentment with your own thoughts. I see myself now as someone who is genuine and confident and believes in herself. I believe that I deserve better um, than the path that I chose so many years ago. I believe that I am meant for more in this world than what I told myself I deserved years ago. And I am excited about life now. I, even though I still have struggles, I wake up every day grateful that I'm in the position I am now. I am a strong and capable woman who's able to take care of herself. I support my children and I, I'm financially stable and I have a healthy lifestyle and I'm active. And I actually like looking in the mirror at my body because I decided to, I decided to take charge of my health. And when you're happy, you radiate beauty. So I, if you look at pictures of me comparing me to 10 years ago versus now, I look younger than I looked back then because the weight of the unhappiness in my soul made me older. And I attribute that to the weight of pressure being taken off of me, that I don't so much care anymore about what people think about what I look like. And that, I mean, I think everybody cares a little bit about what people think about what they look like, but really it comes from within for me now. I, I feel down on myself and I look at myself in the mirror and I say, what are you doing? You're beautiful. You deserve everything in the world. Look how far you've come. You've survived every bad day you've ever had. I think I would tell anyone who is struggling with similar issues, body dysmorphia, weight loss journeys, um, struggling in their marriage or struggling to love themselves that just believe in yourself. I think a lot of fear of a lot of people fear change. And a lot of times change is what helps us grow. And sometimes that change seems really scary, like having a surgery or leaving a marriage or doing something that puts you completely out of your comfort zone. But those times are the times where we have profound growth in our life. And I think anyone who's struggling with similar problems, just do an inventory about where, where your sadness lies, go within, talk to your inner child, meditate, and start believing that you deserve better. And once you get the mindset that you deserve better, everything changes. 
Sam's story really isn't about weight loss. And that's not to be dismissive, but it really never is about the weight. The weight is always the focus because it's another way the world and society tells us we either fit in or we don't. Sam's journey is one that so many of us find ourselves on over and over time and time again. It's a journey of sorting through the muck and the mud and finding our way back home to ourselves. It's a journey of learning to understand what it means to be who we really are and learning to love ourselves through all of it regardless of what anyone else thinks. It's about coming to realize and truly believing that we don't need to wait for somebody else to come and pull a seat back and invite us to their table. We can build our own. We can learn to listen to those whispers deep inside that say, hey, this way. It's about learning to trust them enough to follow that path instead of the one being laid out in front of us by so many other people. And yes, I believe it's important to feel good on the outside, to feel comfortable in your skin and healthy and strong, but Sam is right. Unless you look at what is going on in your inner world, none of the exterior stuff will ever offer you the happiness and love you really long for. You will just keep reaching for the next thing. So how do we do it then? How do we learn to love ourselves? To be honest, this is a journey I myself have been on for a very long time. How do you learn to love yourself when we are constantly taught from an early age to look for love in all of the wrong places? When we are told we are too much of this and too little of that, how do you decipher what are the stories you picked up from others and what is real? How do you begin to meet yourself, the truth of who and what you are? How do you shed the masks, the illusions, and come to allow yourself to show up just as you are, as your most truly authentic self? And what does that even mean? It begins by getting curious, by slowly leaning in, even when it's scary, by asking the really hard questions, and then allowing yourself to get quiet enough to wait and listen for the answers. And then actually following the breadcrumbs once the path is revealed, no matter how hard or scary it may feel. What I've come to realize is I understand why people numb. I get why it's easier to focus on the things out there instead of the inner dwellings or longings of your heart. Because honestly, it doesn't feel safe in the beginning to be different. And when we all just really want to belong, to be different feels like we're standing in front of people naked. It isn't an easy path to go down. And at times it's deeply painful and scary and dark. But so is not being yourself. And it comes back to a choice. How do you want to live this one precious life? Meeting your pain, seeing your shadowy parts, feeling the depth of your shame, and then allowing yourself to bloom in a way you've never thought was possible, or continue to stay tightly wrapped up in your protective cocoon, wondering, is this really what life is about? All I know is the more I do this so-called work, the more I sink into all of those parts I ran from for so long out of fear, being scared of people seeing who I really am, and unmasking who I was born to be and showing up in the world just as me, I am met with a feeling I never knew was possible. I, I think it's called peace and maybe a little grace, but it's a calmness in this swelling rough waters I constantly find myself in. It's an alignment an integrity and a truth and a confidence that says, hey world, like it or not, this is me. 
And it doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it means that I'm beginning to find her again. That me before the world told me who I should be. And if I'm honest, I really like her. And I never thought that day would come. So if I can leave you with one thing today, it is this invitation to lean in and get curious and ask the bigger questions and then get quiet enough to hear the answers. Thanks for listening to the stories we wish to tell. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, share, like, scream it from the mountaintops and leave a five-star review. That helps us get in front of those who truly need to hear us. If you have a story you wish to tell, please head to the stories we wish to tell at gmail.com and tell me a little bit about yourself. Don't forget to like us on Instagram at stories we wish to tell. <laughs>